Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, it's wartime. It's wartime. Hey, we're starting a new series today called War. And well, right, my voice cracked a little bit right there. I'm kind of going through puberty here at the 1140, 1130 service overflow. Hey, uh, so we're starting a new series today called War. We're talking about the battles, some of the battles that we face in life, how to be equipped for those battles, how to win. How many want to win, win, win? All you do is win, win, win. And uh, Jesus has equipped you to win. And so kind of the idea for this whole message that we're starting today is we're talking about the war is over. The war is over. We sang about it earlier. We're going to talk about it today because in the kingdom, we fight from a place of victory. How many know the war has been won and we fight from the war? In the natural, you fought battles to win the war, but in the kingdom, you won the war and now you win battles. Are you with me? And so if we can get that revelation, if we can understand that, then we can live this victorious, overcoming life that Jesus promised us. But how many of you know that life is a war? Come on. Nobody else, for me, life has been a war. In fact, this past week, for me, has been a war. I went to battle all week to get this message. I was stressing out about it yesterday morning, stressing about it all week, because God wanted to give a word, and sometimes you got to battle through some things in order to, to receive what God has for you in that moment, and so life is a war. We suffer loss, we go through hardships, we deal with disappointments, daily frustrations. Every day we do our best just to survive. And if we're fortunate, if we do good, then we might even gain a little ground. Right? And so we deal with all these battles. We have health battles and financial battles and relationship battles and cultural battles, mental battles, emotional battles, battles at home. Battles at school, battles at work, battles at church, battles on social media, battles everywhere, bullets everywhere, bombs going off everywhere. Who am I talking to today? Crisis, crisis of faith, crisis of uncertainty, crisis of doubt. We feel hopeless. We feel shamed. We feel discouraged. We feel defeated. Has anybody felt defeated this week? Because we're going through this war called life. Sadly, most people are content to live life in the bunker, covered up, hoping that the battles pass, hoping to survive, hoping to just get through another day, eat a couple rations, not get hit by a bullet, not get too much damage. If I could just hunker down in the bunker... As long as the war will pass. But I believe that God has so much more for you than hunkering away, hoping the battle passes. I want to talk about a specific war today. It's the war of all wars. It involves the warrior of all warriors. And it's a war for love. It's a war for love. And it began in a garden. It began in a garden with a man named Adam and a woman named Eve, and they were in the garden. And at that moment, instead of choosing to love, 
they chose to sin. Instead of loving God, they chose to give in to their momentary desires and sin. It began in a garden when we said no to love and yes to sin. And it was a war. Listen, it's a war. The war that we're talking about is a war for us. It's a war for us. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a war for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time. Everybody say, just in time. Just in time when we were still powerless. I mean, know that you were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Now, I would tell you to look at your neighbor and say, you're ungodly, but we're not going to do that today. But you are ungodly, and I'm ungodly on my own devices. I don't make good choices on my own. Maybe you do, but I don't. But it says that Christ died for the ungodly. What does that mean? That means that those that aren't like God. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, some might possibly dare to die. But God, everybody say, but God. But God demonstrates God expresses his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we were still ungodly, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. When you were jacked up, when you were messed up, when you were sinning, when you were in opposition with God, when you were unrighteous, when you were weak, when you were pathetic, God looked at you and said, I want you. So God demonstrated his own love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us since now, verse 9, since now we have been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Whoa, wrath? Yes, see, sin must be punished. Every crime, you do the crime, you got to pay the time. Right, we know this. No sin goes unpunished. So what happens is Jesus took the punishment because of the love of God. God's demonstrated his love. He said, I will put the punishment on Jesus instead of on you. That's the gospel. The wrath of God poured out on Jesus towards sin. Jesus, God the Son, died in your place. He died in my place. Not only this, not only is this so, verse 11, but we also, let me back up. I'm sorry. Verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation means this basically that the relationship has been repaired. That we ruined the relationship with God by our sin, by our poor choices, by our neglect. We ruined the relationship, but God did everything to fix it. See, you got to understand something. We were enemies of God. However, God has a different view on enemies than we do. Remember what Jesus said, love your enemies? So God loves his enemies. Right? I mean, Jesus is God, so Jesus said, love your enemies. Why? Why does God love his enemies? Because we at one time in our life, if we haven't surrendered our lives to Jesus, are enemies. Wow! An enemy of God. However, God has always been for us. 
Even though we were against him. Even we were against him. He still loved us. And he's always been for us. I mean, it's like, it's like God was pulling for the other team to win. <laughs> See, we resisted and opposed him with our lives. Romans 8, 5 says this. It says that we were hostile towards God in our thinking. So the, the, the division, the separation, the gap was not brought on by God. It's not like God said, I don't want you anymore. Go away. It's we said, God, I don't want you. Go away. And that's what we've done with our sin. So we set up the opposition, and God set up the solution. God says, rather than destroying my enemies, which you would normally do in a war, right? I mean, isn't that the point of war is to destroy your enemies? So God says, rather than destroying my enemies, I will deal with the issue that is causing them to oppose me. And the issue, beloved, is sin. He said, I'll deal with the sin so they'll stop opposing me. See, Isaiah 59 2, we're familiar with this passage. It says that our sins have separated us from God. We separated ourselves from God. Are you with me? God didn't say, I don't want you anymore. We, when we chose sin, we said, God, I don't want you anymore. So he deals with the sin. Sins of commission, right? Sins of commission are like lying. Right? Even if it's a lie to get you out of trouble. Sins like cheating, even on your taxes. Right? Stealing, even on your taxes. Oh. Lusting. Well, I thought about her, but I didn't touch her. Jesus said you committed adultery in your heart. Ouch. Well, I didn't hurt anybody, but you have hate in your heart towards them? Jesus said, you have murdered them in your heart. You have bitterness. You have hardness. This is all sins of commission. Things that we've done where we've sinned against a holy God. And remember, sin must be punished. We all want justice until it's our turn, right? Then we have the sins of omission. And I believe, beloved, that this is the greatest sin. That the omission is simply resisting God. It's simply not doing anything in response to God. It's just omitting what he has done. And for me in my life, this is the greatest sin. Omitting the wooing of the Spirit. Not thinking about God throughout my day. The sins of omission. Just the forgetfulness. See, saying no is hostile in contrast to his extravagant love. Do you understand that his love was so extravagant? To say, no, I don't want that, is hostile. Do you not see the hostility? I love you. I love humanity. I want to give myself for you. I am here. I am here. We say, no, God, I want no part of it. That is hostility towards God. And some would say, well, I'm no Hitler, but you are no Jesus either. And Jesus is the standard of righteousness. But again, he didn't come to destroy his enemies. He came to reconcile them. Reconcile them. Bring them back to the place they need to be. That's why in the New Living Translation on the scripture we just read, Romans 5.11 says this, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. It's a new relationship with God. You are an enemy, but check this out. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. 
And when we say friends, we're not talking about frenemies, right? You know what frenemies are? Frenemies are people that are in your life, they're friends, but they're kind of enemies, right? It's not like that. We think that that's kind of the way it is with God. Like God is tolerating me. God is putting up with me because he has a purpose for my life. We're frenemies. No, no, it's not like that. God is not your frenemy. Frenemy? 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 Whatever. God is your friend through Jesus. He wants relationship. He wants to be involved in your life all the time, not just on Sundays or not just on Easter. He wants, he wants you to be as obsessed with him as he is with you. See, when he said to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he wasn't just giving an imp- impossible commi- g- a commandment. He was saying, this is how I love you. Will you respond to my love? Will you love me back with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Because that's how I love you. Will you love me back? So, it was a war that began in a garden. It began in resistance when we said no to love and yes to sin. But it was also won in a garden when he said, Jesus said, yes to love and no to sin. See, Jesus in the garden surrendered first. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus surrendered first. See, Jesus surrendered to the Father. Jesus knew the suffering that would take place. Jesus knew that all the sin that humanity would ever be committed would be put on him. He knew how intense that was going to be, and he wanted out of it. Are you with me, gang? He wanted out of it. However, he wanted something more than out of it. He wanted you. He wanted me. And so he said, Father, not my will, not my plan, not my agenda be done, but your will be done. See, Jesus surrendered first, first to the Father, then to the soldiers, then to the arrest, then to a flogging where a cat of nine tails with pieces of, of bone and glass were whipped across his flesh, and his, his flesh was ripped off his body, exposing organ and bone. He surrendered to that. He surrendered uh, pu- to public ridicule and public shame. He surrendered to a criminal's sentence. But there was no fault in him. He was bolted to a criminal's cross with two thieves, between two thieves with spikes. All the while having the power to stop it. At any moment, he could have just said, I'm done. It's too much. I can't handle it. But he surrendered. He surrendered to it all. And he surrendered. Listen, Jesus surrendered to our sin. Jesus surrendered to the power of sin, which is death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin. Jesus became the sin of humanity that moment on the cross. The Son of God The one who never committed a sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How crazy backwards. 
is real of. Jesus, the, all the shame and sin and junk that humanity has ever done. He said, I'll take all that. And you know what I'll give you? I'll give you my righteousness. I'll give you my purity. He said, well, what does that mean? I mean, I'm kind of righteous. I, I acted good this week. No, the, the, the word is impudiate. And that means it like, it, it, it like saturates you with the righteousness of God. So in other words, you are not a sinner anymore. You are righteous. You are blameless. You are shameless because of what Jesus did. Completely pure. How pure? Clean slate? As pure as Jesus is. As holy as Jesus is. But Jesus is God. Yes, the righteousness of God is. In Christ Jesus. See, you got to get in Christ Jesus to receive his righteousness. The problem is, is you've been too in to yourself. And all that's done is produce sin. But if we will get into him, righteousness will be displayed in our life. So Jesus surrendered to death. And that ended the war. That ended the war. See, the war is over. The most significant victory you have ever faced has already been won. See, some of you are facing battles. You're like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through. You, you might think, what, what is the greatest battle you've ever faced? Many of you would say, I'm going through it right now. Or I went through it 10 years ago. No, no, no. The greatest battle, the greatest war that you've ever faced has already been war, been won. Because the greatest battle that you've ever faced was against sin, and Jesus dealt with it. He, and let me say, you know, many people are like, man, I just wish God would do something in my life. I wish God would show up. I wish I would, God would show me how much he loved you. Was the cross, beloved, not enough? The greatest thing that God will ever do for you has already been done. The, let me say that again. Let me talk, talk, talk over here. The greatest thing that God has ever done for you has already been done. Thank you. It's the greatest thing. And it's already happened. It's already happened. Whew. Praise the Lord. So stop, stop your striving. Stop trying to earn God's favor. Is that not the favor of God? Three statements this morning on this side of victory. We'll go quick. Three statements on this side of victory. Number one is it is finished. See, salvation is not free. It's not free. It's very costly. In fact, it is the most costly thing that has ever been purchased. Yet, it is a gift. See, it's not free for the purchaser, but it is free for the recipient. See, God's salvation is free. There's nothing you can do to earn salvation. If I asked you today, what, 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 what will you tell God when you stand before him? When you stand before holy God at the end of your life and you're standing there, what will you say to him and he, when he says, why should I let you into heaven? What will your verbiage be? What will you say? What will come out of your mouth? Most of us will be something like this. Well, I try to be a good person my whole life. I've never treated anybody wrong. I've never killed anybody. I've been a good person. That's not a sufficient answer because your heart is rotten. Let's just be real. You know what you thought? 
Do you know the load that you carry around inside there? The answer is this. I'll give you the answer. You want the answer? Because you, you, you want it. You, most of you already know it. The answer is this. Why should I let you into my heaven? Because Jesus died in my place. Because Jesus paid for my sin. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I belong here because of him. Zero to do with your efforts. Is that in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. See, grace has a name. Grace is a person. The name is Jesus. Check this out. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. What is that? Trust. So if you have been saved by God's grace, by Jesus, through what? Through trust. Through trusting what Jesus did. It's not for yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works. Not by your works, but by his work. So that no one can boast. So you don't get to stand before God and go, well, look what I did with my life. And he's going to be like, man, that really fails in comparison to Jesus. Look at all the money I earned. Look at the education I have. Or if you're spiritual, look how many people I talk to about Jesus. Look how many sick people. None of that is going to matter for your righteousness. So no one can boast. Your works don't get you in, but because you're getting in, you produce works. It's just the way it is. It's called fruit, not works. All right. Many. I run up, man, I've been doing ministry for almost 25 years now, and I, and I get this argument all the time. I'm not good enough. Why don't you serve the Lord? I'm not good enough. I've done too much. God will never forgive me. You don't know what I've done, Pastor. God can't forgive me. Listen, to say that, beloved, is to say that what Jesus did was not enough. And the cross is sufficient. The cross is sufficient. God becoming a man and dying for you in your place is sufficient, no matter how bad you think you are, or no matter how good you think you are. What Jesus did is enough. To say no to God is simply negligence. To say no, Jesus, it's not worth me giving my life to you. It's not worth me trusting. Listen, it is a firm resistance that you're, that you're, when you make that statement. When we continue to live our lives without Jesus, our no to him, our negligence is a firm resistance and says that what Jesus did is not enough for me to give my life for him. See, it was enough. So when Jesus said it was finished, he was saying, enough. Enough has been done. The battle, the war is over. It was enough. And get this, you're enough. You're enough for him to die. While you were sinners, while you were enemies, he said, I want them. You're worth him. You are worth Jesus. How much are you worth? You're worth Jesus. You feel worthless, helpless. You are worth Jesus. You are worth the son of God bleeding and broken on a cross between thieves. Like a criminal, you are worth it, beloved. He looked at you and he loved you and he said, I want them so much. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes to have them.
It is finished. Number two, he is alive. See, the cross is empty. The cross is empty. We don't serve a dead Savior. The cross is empty, but can I tell you today that the grave is empty as well. And Jesus took our sin, all that sin that he became, he took it to the grave in that cold tomb, and he left it there. And he said, never again will it have power over your life. See, he overcame death so that we can overcome in life. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, yes, I know he holds the future. Come on. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Jesus is alive. And he overcame death so we can overcome in life. Romans chapter 6, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That's why we do baptisms, which we'll be having next week. Is when you get baptized, what you're saying is my old life is being buried. And when you come out of that water, you're saying I'm new in Christ and the old life is left in the waters of baptism. So when we do baptism, we're saying that I've died with Christ and we believe that we will also live with him, resurrected life. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. He defeated death. Verse 10, the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. It is finished. But the life he lives, he lives to God in the same way. Because he is alive, I will be alive in him. Count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. On this side of victory, we declare it is finished. He is alive. And number three, we declare I surrender. What is it that says, I surrender? It's saying, I trust. It's saying, I give myself to the one that is opposing me, that I am opposed. So when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you said, I'm not your enemy anymore. I belong to you. See, we have, uh, and, and let me say this. We are the plunder of this war. You're the plunder. You're the prize. What, what did Jesus get out of the cross? He got you. You're his plunder. You belong to him now. If you, if you give your life to him, you belong to him now. It won't be about your will and your plans and your desires. It'll be all about Jesus. You just say, I've just given myself to the one. I just surrender. You know, the universal symbol of surrender is a white flag. So in war, this dates back to the first century. Before that, they would just put their shields over their heads. But then this, you know, this kind of um, gentleman agreements in war, that when a white flag is waved, you don't kill your enemies. You don't punish your enemies. You take them in. Right? And so, but what you got to understand is when you go to war, you don't, you pack guns and weapons and rations You don't pack white flags because you're not planning on giving up. You're not planning on giving in. You're not planning on surrendering, not today. So they're never taken. So many times what would happen at war is a 
a guy would pull off his white shirt or find a white rag, something they could maybe just stick outside the bunker on a stick or with their hand and just begin to wave that white flag. And they say, I'm done. See, beloved, I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to tell you today that you can't win this war called life that we've been talking about. You can't win this war. Y'all can pass those out. You can't win this war called life. But someone has already won the war. And if you can just say, Lord, I surrender to you. Then you'll be on the side of victory. See, we don't surrender in defeat. Beloved, listen. We don't surrender in defeat. We surrender to the victory. We don't surrender in defeat. We surrender to the victory. If you need victory in your life, if you need healing in your life, if you need to overcome emotional issues in your life, spiritual issues in your life, physical issues in your life, you overcome by surrendering because you know that he has already won the war. So what I want you to do today is I just want you to take that flag that you've been given and just say, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you. I give it all to you, Lord. My troubles, my pain, my sickness, my frustration, my stress, Lord, my disappointment, my healing, Lord, I give it all to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. You have won me. You have won me. You have won me. You have won me. Come on, just tell him you have won me, Jesus. You have won me. You have won my heart. And Lord, I give my myself to you. I give myself to you. Ministry team, go ahead and come up. I give myself to you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. See, one of the things about a flag is a flag, a white flag, the reason why it's white is because it doesn't show colors. It has no allegiance to anyone. They don't surrender by waving a nation's flag. They surrender by waving a white flag and say, I'm not committed to myself. I'm not committed to where I was. I'm committed to you. I'm giving myself to you. Will you take my life? And so when it says this in Romans chapter 10, it says that if we confess our mouth, come on, this is the flag of surrender right here. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God had raised him from the dead, that he's alive, then we will be saved. Then we will be rescued. Beloved, he loves you and he wants you and he is so worthy of your love.